Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, we got a short and sweet podcast this week. I went with Kevin Streelman. This is my original, one of my first friends on the PGA Tour, the first player I got contact information from. We met in 2011, the Pebble Beach AT&T Pro-Am, and it was awesome. It was just good. It was genuine friendship that started up. I saw him the next week at Riviera. I filmed a, a couple of events that he was a part of, and uh, it was just really cool. Like He played the, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am with the singer Toby Mack, and they were friends. Actually, I think they met there, but it was, it was just really cool. I was able to kind of capture their friendship in a short video uh, that I produced out there at Pebble. So that's where it all started. And here's the thing. This week, it's Phoenix Open Week. He lives in Scottsdale. This is one of those hectic weeks of the year. He said, he, what do you, I think he's got 100 tickets he's given out already. People normally stay with him this week. Uh, he, that's just the kind of guy he is. Uh, he just loves uh, bringing people over. He's got a big family, so it's awesome uh, that he does that. So anyway, we get into Streelman, his career a little bit too. I mean, this is a guy that was a caddy. He cleaned clubs there in Arizona. As he chased the dream 20 years ago, I mean, he got to the tour late. He was in his late 20s, early 30s. By the time he really got his card, this guy's, you know, 45 now. He's in his mid-40s. So it's amazing as we go into the backstory with Streelman and then also, of course, Phoenix. What is it like at that course? A guy who's played, I think this is his 18th start. So he gets us through the emotion, the energy around playing uh, number 16, right? The part three. What does it really feel like for the players inside the ropes? So Kevin takes us inside the ropes on TPC Scottsdale, takes us through strategy and what to expect and just really his perspective as a player. So we'll get into that. Lastly, we can touch on St. Andrews. He played in 2015. At the Open Championship, you guys remember, Zach Johnson won that year. But we really get to the heart of like why it's important for us golf fans to go to St. Andrews. What's his perspective on that? Having been there, of course, and having played and, and tasted the beers at Dunvegan Hotel and been a part of, uh, gone to Tom Morris's grave and just been a part of a historic week at the Open Championship. So we'll get into that. Hope you enjoy it. And uh, well, here we go on Beyond the Clubhouse. Phoenix this week, and then uh, looking ahead, or not looking ahead, but just the experience of St. Andrews, what that's like, especially during an open. Yeah. I know you were there in 2015, so I want to talk about that. Yeah. You know, the course, obviously, you've played it so many times, as you said. Like, So how does it match up with your game? Yeah, it's uh, – I haven't – you know, I've made a lot of cuts here. I haven't had a ton of high finishes, so it's, it's kind of average for me is kind of what I would say. But um, there's no reason I shouldn't – play well i have a good feeling for the putts i have a good feeling for the greens for where the valley is and you know you get a little bit of valley pull here uh, played today nine holes i think i made five or six birdies so i mean i feel like it's <laughs> playing well um you know it's it's just a it's a course it's playing really fast right now it's it's in beautiful shape so you just got to hit the fairways and let it run out and um you know you're not gonna have a ton of club into a lot of the holes here especially the big guys but 
you know, out of the rough, you're not going to be able to control it as well. So um, the weather looks amazing. I think it's going to be touching low 80s, which I don't know if we've ever seen here in the last 15 years. Oh, shoot. So um, the ball's going to be moving. The, uh, <laughs> everyone's going to be dressed to impress, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a party. When you say you haven't seen this in the last, what, 15, 20 years, are you talking about, like, having it this warm in February? This warm, yeah. It's usually a week earlier, so I don't know if that has a little bit to do with it, but it's just a, without the frost. There, there tends to be frost delays here a fair amount. There tends to be, uh, you know, rounds finishing the next morning. And <laughs> this, this week we look uh, we look good to go as long as everyone keeps their pace of play up. So that's, that's an exciting uh, benefit as well it's not like this often with this weather so what kind of player does that favor it's, it's whoever's making the putts i mean it's gonna it's gonna be another low scoring week you're gonna have to get to 20 under i'm sure and um but it's out there you, you, only, you only have three par fives but they're all reachable you're gonna have a couple you know a fair amount of wedges in your hand you just gotta kind of be smart on a few of the par threes and um hit a bunch of fairways and, you, and it shouldn't be too too crazy for guys to shoot three, four, five, six, seven under par. So when you say smart on the par threes, like what? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you look at holes like number seven, which actually historically has been one of the toughest holes on the PGA Tour. Um, but they stick they stick two pins left and two pins right. There's a big ridge in the middle of the green, and it, it just it looks like you want to get aggressive to the pins, but if you short side yourself on either side, you're going to make bogey. It's just like a very fast, difficult up and down. So it's one of those, just got to suck it up, hit to the middle of green and two putt and move on. And, uh, it's just tough for us to do that as egomaniacs on the PGA tour. who like to make birdies. So that's what, uh, that's where they get us really well there. And then number uh, 12 is another good one where, uh, there's water right if you kind of let it out a little bit. There's a bunker left that can be a tricky up and down. And you got to hit a nice six iron kind of to the middle of that green. And then clearly number fifth, or uh, number 16 is utter madness. <laughs> so you just try and uh, step up there and stuff an eight or nine iron and, and uh, get the crowd roaring. But it's a lot of fun. Well, as a player, like inside the ropes, I mean, everybody sees 16 on TV. They're so fired up by it so as a player what does it feel like adrenaline wise or just as you as you get there on a saturday on a sunday trying to perform it's an adrenaline like you never feel in the game of golf you purposely take at least a half club less if not a full club less just from trying to <laughs> get your body's uh, body in order before you hit the shot uh you, it, it's difficult to feel the wind inside the stadium there so you got to kind of trust the where it was on 15 and and plan accordingly as as well. You know, the front left pin is always fun. They usually put the tee up there, and it's only a gap wedge or a little, you know, small pitching wedge at 125 yards or so. But That's crazy. If you miss it left, it's going to go down in the bunker. If you miss it long right, it's a super fast putt that you really can't can't get too aggressive with so that's a that's a great great pin location in my opinion and they also do two back and then one on the right one on the right's pretty gettable the two in the back are kind of depends on the bounce the bounce you get on the on the green and if you miss it left it's a very tricky up and down as well um but it, it's another hole where you just kind of if you can hit a nice shot to the middle part of the green 15 feet not short-sided you have a good look at birdie and you hopefully can get some roars before you get to 17 which is drivable and you'll hopefully get a tap in birdie there well, 17, I mean, like, what? what is that? What's usually your strategy for 17? Because there's so many options. Yeah, it depends on the wind. I mean, 
unless it's howling into the wind, it's it's driver all day. Sometimes even three wood all day if it if the if it's downwind, kind of as it was today. Um, you got to carry that corner bunker at 270. I think it's 275 or so. Once you get over that, it, it trickles down either up onto the front of the green or to the right. The right collection area isn't a terrible up and down to any of the pins. Mm. A little tricky to the right pins, but not not undoable by any means. And it's pretty gettable to the left one. So that's kind of where most people bail. It's over on the short right part of the green. And like I said you had a good pitch. You have a tap and birdie. If you don't, you know, par is kind of your worst score you'll make. It's a, it's a definite birdie hole. So I guess my question to you would be like, what what is the key to just getting? Getting confident on the greens there. I mean, is it just knowing the reads? Like, is there a certain pull and direction to where those, uh, you know, where the putts go? Yeah, I mean, we're we're all really good putters. It's whoever makes them that week, you know, wins golf tournaments. But uh, there is a little pull to the valley. There's um, kind of knowing where downtown Phoenix is. Phoenix is a big saucer. We're on the northeastern part, basically the top right part of the saucer. So everything kind of goes bottom left, which is southwest for us here up in North Scottsdale. But uh, you yeah, know, been here for 20 years caddying and playing at Whisper Rock and Silverleaf and Desert Mountain and all these courses that all pull that way. So I'm, I'm aware of where that is. Now, whether I actually put it there is a different story uh, <laughs> at times. But, uh, yeah, I think we're all pretty accustomed to it. The greens are so beautiful right now. They're perfect shape. They're really firm. Um, it rewards proper shots. If you're hitting fairways, you've got, um, like I said, short irons in, and, and you can attack. If, uh, if you're not, you're, you're going to be heading home Friday. So it's going to be, it's going to be an exciting week. For sure. Well, you mentioned, um, caddying out there in, in, in Arizona in, in Scottsdale. Like when was that? Was that like during a mini tour days or, or when about was, was yeah, that? During my mini tour days. I came out here after I graduated Duke and played the mini tours, played the gateway tour out here for a, for a few years before I met Courtney. And uh, that was like, Oh, two, Oh three. I was caddying at Whisper Rock for a few winters and working at Kirlin scrubbing clubs. And um, just saving up money to get to get to Q school, and Man. now, um, gosh, almost 20 years later, to be a member there and a former club champ at Whisper Rock, and like, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to do what I've done in the game has really been a dream come true. So it, it's it's always special for me to play this tournament. I, I Monday qualified one time back in '03, I think it was, and I remember shooting a 61, and uh, there was one spot. It was 90 guys for one spot. And I shot a 61 and just grabbed it by one shot. <laughs> oh. It's so crazy. But uh, I remember playing in that saying, this is like the coolest tournament I could ever partake in in my entire <laughs> life. And I, I shot a million and missed a cup by a bunch. But it was like a real inspirational moment for me. And so now I think it's probably my 15th one I've played in since. And so it's just been awesome. It really is. It's, it never gets old. And uh, this year is going to be a real treat for me, especially with kids now who are old enough to kind of see what their dad's doing and to remember it. And um, they're excited to watch me as well. So it's going to be it's going to be exciting. Oh, I'm sure, man. Well, when you shot that 61, I mean, what, what does that feel like to, to perform that one moment? One, you got one shot one day. Like, how, how does that feel? Yeah, it was incredible. It was incredible. It was. Uh, it's a tough. It's a tough gig. I mean, you can shoot 67 every Monday of the year and probably never play a corn fairy or PGA tour event for the entire season. So, um, it doesn't really reward consistency. It rewards, uh, aggressive, um, hot, hot putting is what it is, what it rewards Monday qualifying. But I did gosh, countless numbers of them uh, every week. It seemed like if I wasn't playing on the Hooters tour, the U S pro tour, the gateway tour, Canadian tour, um, whatever tour I was on, 
I was doing Monday qualifiers to just get a taste of the big leagues, and um, I'm glad I did. It made me made me tough. It made me uh, hungry, and it uh, you know it helped me develop to be the golfer I've, I've been the last uh, 15 years on the PGA Tour. Man, how much were you making a week, and like what was the grind like during that that season? Yeah, yeah. first at Kierland, I was making six dollars an hour scrubbing clubs, and then you you know hopefully get it couple bucks and tips as you you get uh done for the day but i just did that to get free golf so i'd work from 6 a.m till 1 p.m and then i would go play golf from 1 p.m till dark every day and so uh that was to get the golf and then i'd go up to Whisperock on the weekends to make you know decent money and that would be you know, 150 200 bucks a loop if you got a nice tip um She'd sit there all morning just trying to get out. And then if I got out early, I'd go back to Kirillin and hit balls after, or try and play with some of the other guys. I mean, it was a total vagabond golf <laughs> life. Dead broke, chasing a dream. And, uh, but I mean, I look back, it was awesome. I mean, we shared an apartment with a bunch of guys. It was dirty. It was uh, <laughs> drink cheap beer at night. And just kind of like, just whatever you could do to keep, keep chasing the dream. But, um, Gosh, I had life, lifelong friends from it, and it made me uh, a heck of a, a heck of a tournament golfer. So that's yeah, that's awesome. So what, like maybe three or four guys to a, to an apartment, or what was the? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you never know. Like sometimes guys would come in for a month, and they'd pay for a month and come in, and then you know, it, it was great. It just was, it was madness. It was, uh, it was a blast, though. Some of my favorite memories, to be honest. Then you just be like, I got to up and go. I got into a, Corn Prairie event here, or got into Cooter's event in Arkansas. I got to hit the road and drive cross country. Do whatever it took. Just do whatever it could, whatever it would take. How how many miles did you put on that old uh, the old car you had? Well, my mom's Nissan Altima. I burned that one out at about two hundred thousand miles. I got a new one and burned that one out a few years later at two hundred thousand miles. And then I got a new Camry when I got my right before I got my tour card. But in total, probably about three hundred fifty thousand miles on a few different cars five five year span five and a half year span believe in the dream baby doing what it takes well and speaking of the dream dude i Strios, i know how how huge a fan of history you are i know you love that historic like gallery what is that at pebble yeah. beach the old uh i forget what it's called something from the past yeah the gallery yeah the uh i know exactly what you're saying i just saw it <laughs> links from the past or yeah, something links of the past I think yeah the- so being such a huge history guy with, with golf what would you say to the golf fans that are sitting at home thinking about, you know what, St. Andrews is this year, the Open Championship. Is yeah. it worth going, making a buddy's trip, or bringing my family, going a trip to Scotland and going to the Open? What would you say to those people who have never been to St. Andrews and never been to the Open? Yeah, I mean, this will be one of the most historic, important, significant majors in the history of the game. 100%. Um who knows? Hopefully, some of our big guys are playing. <laughs> <laughs> right. It could be an opportunity for a guy who maybe rhymes with Tiger Woods to, to play. I mean, that would be obviously incredible. But um, I did play the 15 there where Zach won. I, I remember playing. I was actually an alternate. Didn't get in until, uh, I think it was Tuesday, I actually got in the tournament. And there was, like, zero wind Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I was literally yeah. like, this place is, is a piece of cake. Like it really, it's like three iron lob wedge, hybrid sandwich, like driver six iron into a par five. I mean, you're like, 
like six under on the front nine, hardly even playing that good. Like it's it's just pretty gettable. And so get in the term, I'm all excited. Thursday comes along, if the wind starts to pick pick up. I I remember catching my lob wedge from the middle of the fairway on one, like just a fraction heavy, but still pretty good. I'm like posing on the shot. Hits the water, comes back, I make double bogey in the first hole. It was like <laughs> all right. And the wind starts to pick up and all of a sudden I'm like, This is the hardest golf course I've ever seen in my life. Like I it was amazing what a eighteen mile an hour wind did to that golf course but it made it so challenging and you bring out these bunk like you see these bunkers that are 215 yards off the tee on the right and like 350 yards on the tee down on the left you're like how are these even in play when there's no wind five wood into that 150 yard gap easily but all of a sudden a 20 mile an hour wind out of one direction those things are perfectly placed to either hit like a slightly mishit three wood in the right one, or if it's downwind, like a hammered three wood into the left one. And all of a sudden you're like scrambling to get the ball out of the stinking bunker. Like right. it just, it's, it's a, it's an absolute masterpiece and you don't understand it unless you go there and see it and, and play it. And, um, I walked off of it. I mean, I, I should play terrible. I missed the cut by a ton, but I said, that is the most, incredible golf course i've ever played in my life and so um i have the highest level of respect for it and i really hope i can get back into that championship i made a big putt to finish t19 at last year's open and if i would have been one shot better i would have been top 15 and that would have got me in so Ah. i didn't uh, couldn't have shot one shot better last year but um i'll uh it is on my radar i really want to get there and take take my family as well Oh, for sure. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people love to bring the family. Uh, I was lucky to have my wife and and in laws out there walking the course, and um, awesome. yeah, just just a gorgeous place. And I guess from a fan's perspective, like, what does it feel like to be in that old town and around the old course? And I know you're a competitor that week in 2015, but like, if what would you say to the fans? Like the the feeling of of that place. Yeah, it's electric. Every Open Championship's electric. You go into these little pubs and these little restaurants, and the food kind of sucks, but yeah, <laughs> you have this great beer, and the, the ceilings are really low, and everyone's shoulder to shoulder, but everyone's laughing, and it's loud, and there's dancing late at night, and you have people from, like, Asia and Africa and Australia, and everyone's <laughs> coming together that, like, loves golf, and they love, like, it is, it is the international championship of golf. The, the Open Championship. Clearly, the mm. U.S. Open, the PGA, the Masters are huge events in the golf world and huge events in the United States, and they get it and all that. When you go to an Open Championship, you understand that the Open Championship is the international championship of golf, and it means everything to the to the entire world. And um, it's incredible. I mean, the best tournament I've ever played in my life was in Northern Ireland. The year Shane won. I mean, I it, I will go down as my favorite tournament I've ever played in my life. We had so much fun, and uh, that the the crowds, the fans, the the pubs at night, the dancing, the the Guinness, the just kind people who just love the game of golf is the absolute best. So um, this year at St Andrews will be will be better than will be better than any. I think I really do. Yeah, yeah, Port Rush 2019 uh, for Shane Lowry. What yeah, a, what a cool moment. Epic. 
Um, mm-hmm. Did you go? Did you do like the the Tom Morris grave? Did you see all that stuff, or or, or see like yeah. a Dunvegan Hotel? Yeah, we yep, yep, we did all that stuff. Had to, yeah. I mean, walked around town each night. You're just trying to find a place to grab dinner or quick fish and chips and a pint of Guinness and just talking golf with people and, and laughing and meeting new friends. I and mean, it's 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 a really cool it's a really cool experience. Yeah, for I mean, for golf fans that haven't been, I mean, you walk in the Dunvegan Hotel and you're walking into history. Like you see all these pictures over every square inch of the walls, like with Gary Player or Tom Watson when he visited that that bar, that pub. Well, what did you make of that that Dunvegan? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I had a pint there. <laughs> um, the cool thing is, like, they might recognize you're a golfer, but they treat they treat everyone the same. Like they're just, it's not gonna try and get a picture and ask you silly questions it's like hey how's the course playing and what's going on and you know you just feel like one of the guys and one of the girls that are just having a having a kind of a golf vacation and having a everyone appreciates that the st andrews is the show like that's uh everyone's there for the same reason to celebrate an incredible championship and, and whether you're a fan or a uh, a volunteer or a player or a wife like you're all part of the you're all part of the show and you're all part of the experience and um, that's what makes for such a memorable week absolutely well Streels, i know it's a busy week for your home game at phoenix so uh enjoyed the chat and uh we'll catch up again soon buddy yep perfect All right, big thanks to Kevin Struman there for coming on. I love his passion. You can tell this guy, total definition of delayed gratification. I mean, look at what he had to go through. Working all those, juggling all those jobs on the mini tours. He put 350,000 miles on two different, excuse me, three different cars chasing the dream. I mean, this is real stuff. Uh, that he's gone through shooting 61 to get into the Phoenix Open. I think that was one of his first tour events he qualified for in 2003. So really cool to hear all that from Streelman. Hope you guys had a blast listening, and we'll catch up soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse.